drop. Hi there, friends. Joe here, Assistant Director of StoryForge. As you're probably aware of by now, if you've been following the show, we recorded a ton of episodes getting ready for the festival that we thought was going to happen in March. And then COVID-19 spread and the whole world has had to shift their plans. We didn't just want to leave these in the vaults, though. Even though the dates and some specifics have changed, with Treefort currently postponed until September 23rd through 27th, we feel the passion of everyone we've spoken to is still worth sharing. This episode was actually one of the first ones we ever recorded. This was my first time in the booth at Wonderful Eavesdrop Studios with Larry Rosen, and we got to speak with local badass Michael Cullen. He's an incredibly cool and passionate dude, and as I sit here social distancing in my home office working on the edits, my excitement and yearning to see him and the rest of the festival staff is just, well, it's overwhelming. I cannot wait to get back to work with such awesome folks. Anyway, I just wanted to pop in and give everyone a little bit of context and to say thank you to Eavesdrop Studios, the whole Tree Fork crew, Up is the Down is the for the awesome intro song, and everyone else involved with this podcast. If you've been liking what you're hearing, there's a tip jar link in the show notes that we use to help fund our endeavors. Now, on to the show. You're listening to Story Fork Presents, Voices of Tree Fort Music Fest a weekly podcast that dives into the stories behind Boise's Festival of Discovery. Treefort Music Fest brings in hundreds of artists from all over the globe every March, and we're here to tell you about all things Treefort. I'll pass you off to Larry Rosen and myself's past selves as we get the chance to sit down with Treefort's Michael Cullen. Storyfort presents Voices of Treefort Music Fest. We are your hosts today. I am Larry Rosen, along with... Joe Davidson. That's a new thing I'm trying where I'll just let the co-host say his own name oh, or her own name. I like it. I like yeah, it. Yeah, it gives you ownership. Speaking of ownership, we talked today to Michael Cullen, who sort of came out of nowhere a few years ago to get himself involved with Treefort and ended up running the ranger station, which he describes as, what would you say, kind of a... It's like a, a living FAQ. If you're ever That's on the FAQ said, yeah. parts of the a website or whatever, they exist to help tree fort goers find whatever they need, whether it's food, music recs, uh, the best bathrooms. Uh, and, in, and in one harrowing case, uh, a way to respond when you've been beaten up by a cowboy uh, and given a concussion. Yeah. I was going to say, I was going to suggest that it was sort of a living Siri, but I was afraid that might not go over so well. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Apple yeah. might call us up. Yeah, we don't want that. Anyway, so Michael started out as just sort of a snot-nosed kid with uh, <laughs> an, an endless motor, you know, a kid who just couldn't stop hustling and really enthusiastic, uh, loves music, loves putting on events, got himself involved in, in Treefort, and in the process did something that we both found really interesting, which was that he changed his opinion of his hometown. Yeah. You know, he, he started out thinking, oh, Boise kind of isolated, kind of nothing going on here. And now he said it's his home for life. That's cool. As, a, as someone else who grew up in Boise, like the same time he did, that mm-hmm. thought process of like, oh man, Boise sucks. There's nothing here. There's only the local metal bands at the venue, which were good. <laughs> but uh, 
it was really cool to hear a story and how that changed with Tree Fort. Because I think Tree Fort did change Boise. I, I agree. I'm learning that more and more. Where are you at now with Boise, Joe? Um, well, as the assistant director of Story Fort, yeah. I don't think I'm going anywhere anytime All soon. Right. It's, I love it. Good on you. Uh, so, yeah, that's what we're getting into. So rather than uh, listen to us banter any longer, we're going to get out of the way and let you listen to uh, Michael Cullen, who runs the ranger station at Tree Fort. Michael, welcome to the palatial headquarters of Story Fort Presents, Eavesdrop Studios. It's good to have you here today. So what we want to talk about today really is not only your role in Treefort, uh, and we definitely want to get some anecdotal stories because I think you probably have a few, but a little bit about you as well and how you came to find, what, what I keep saying, how the volunteers pick their lane. So give us a little bit of the background, of your background that led you to want to be part of Treefort. I know you have a background in marketing. Yeah, Absolutely. Marketing and events is kind of something I figured on early in college as being something that I was passionate about. And it led me, I guess, having fun booking concerts up at U of I, which was uh, part of the student government. Because you were active in student government. I was, I was. And um, I got the lucky enough job to spend student money on bringing my favorite musicians or people who I thought would benefit the student body. How much How much autonomy do they give you in that sort of setup? Way too much, I would say. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a rad gig, man. It's a rad gig. That My budget wasn't as healthy as other uh, other groups or other. There was kind of one big pile of money for the end-of-the-year concert, and then I got what we called small concerts. Like so the, you did like coffee house type of stuff? Yeah, it it had to be a little bit larger just because students are so hard to get their attention mm-hmm. that you really you had to drum it up a little bit more than like a, you never wanted to shoot for like a hundred person show yeah, how big the, were the venues they as big as 800 for our main Damn. ballroom and then i would try to use alternative venues to keep it to make it that much more exciting mm-hmm. a lot of students were used to this room as being where you go to a lecture or where you go to this and trying to flip things on their head to where it, you can <laughs> put music or a different style of entertainment in that space. And did you have your own team? Yep, we called it Vandal Entertainment. Went to University of Idaho, mm-hmm. where the Vandals. The Vandals. Yep. yep, yep. And I had a lot of musicians specifically say, they're like, man, like I love that you guys are the Vandals. Like, Can I get a T-shirt? And I think well, they were genuine about it. The Vandals, you know, prominent punk band from the 80s. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I in guess fact, I'm they not... still play. Nice. Yeah, uh, I try to, uh, they had like iffy kind of hits. Pat Brown was a big... Well, punk rock. As much as a punk rock hit is a hit in the 80s. But yeah, so I don't know, maybe. But how did you, and this is sort of getting off track a little bit, but I'm interested to know, how did you, was it hard to get bands to come to that corner of the world? Yeah, Moscow, Idaho is pretty geographically isolated. Our biggest airport, two and a half hours away in Spokane. They had to be on their way to or from somewhere else, right? That Those are the times I had like the best deal. If I wanted to mm-hmm. kind of maximize like, mainstream appeal and in my budget i definitely had to do just kind of get lucky because a lot of booking uh venue managers or booking i guess you would call them talent folks who who fill your traditional concert houses they get emails every day Mm -hmm. i would have to be the one talking to the agents about like let me know you know when you're coming through the northwest let me know when you're doing this kind of begging them to fill me in when they're uh, coming through. Was there ever crossover with bands that later played or had earlier played Tree Fort? 
this is a lovely segue. This All is how right, yeah. this is how I got involved in Treefort. So uh, prior to me reaching out to Treefort to do some routing, I met uh, the marketing lead of Treefort, Megan. She was contracting for a festival called Massive, the Music Arts Showcase Sun Valley. So it's oh, kind of a, yeah, yeah, yeah. a fun acronym I've always appreciated, but hmm. Megan was doing marketing. I was just a volunteer. I volunteered to do whatever to get a free ticket. I was probably 19, 20 at the time, 20 years old probably. And then all of a sudden I was in charge of the box office, like an hour into being a volunteer. And it was dang selling tickets, taking cash, swiping credit cards, and kind of running the box office for a time. And Megan really helped out, giving me you know, the responsibility or the confidence to do that. And so I, I really wanted to connect with her and learn more about Treefort at that time. Treefort would have just finished its second year. So it was still kind of bubbling. 13? Yep. Yeah. 2000, so it would have been summer 2013. And saved Megan's contact information, even hung up some posters for her through the summer, just like old school style marketing, going to coffee shops and any. Uh, cork board I could find and hanging up posters for 20 bucks a, a week or whatever it is. Nice. And then I reach out to Megan about collaborating on some student shows, bringing artists into Moscow. And this is going to be the part where Megan's going to hate me, but she ignored my email or it got on, lost Megan. in the shuffle. <laughs> and so I was like, ah, uh, well, I'm going to guess it got lost in the show yeah. because you already had a relationship and were a proven entity yeah, at that totally, point. Yeah, totally, totally. I don't think Megan would have purposely <laughs> yeah. ignored you. kid up in Moscow. <laughs> and so then, you know, I found a Duck Club, which is the promoter here in Boise that probably brings the strongest acts of music by far. Oh, yeah. Found an email from them that was associated with Tree Forder that I found probably, you know, in my research and like I said, I was used to bugging anybody I could to give get uh, direct information or to be considered a professional because you're just a kid with a University of Idaho email to most of these people. But so at this point, do you have any ambition? What are you wanting to do with this? Or are you just in the moment, just loving it? Uh, I definitely saw myself if... Because you're hustling. I am, I am. And uh, I, I still think I have the spirit. And I, something about live music really brings, you know, people who are just want to bring it and provide and, you know, see what happens. And there was something really uh, magnetic about the energy of the people that I would meet through live music, festivals, just live entertainment, maybe in general. It takes a lot of, it's a big risk most of the time. And sometimes no one shows up and sometimes 800 mm. people show up. There's something I want to know. Um, if you're a college guy and you're the guy who's getting bands to come to school, is there a little bit of a big man on campus fallout from that? Do you get any social capital from being that guy no you get blamed uh, for everything everybody uh, wants to, you to bring beyonce and jay-z and kanye west and then you college book. kids yeah absolutely. Jeez. well who's the maybe who's the coolest group you brought in like you gotta have some cred right yeah um personally through thanks this is kind of jumping in and i'll, I'll rewind as well but thanks to the tree fort collaboration we were able to put odessa into the uh, memorial gym this is a live electronica oh, band dang, yeah uh typically a headliner for any festival they'll be on for the last couple of years. And we put them in a basketball gym that was bu or built in the early 20th century. I heard about that show. I had friends up in Moscow around then who were freaking out. Nice. That yeah. was you. And that was Dang. a, that was a fun, we called it taste a tree fort. And oh, nice. so this goes back to me finding Eric Gilbert's email. 
And so I sent one more email. You know, I thought I really, I was really trying to rely on other people to help my job, make my job easier because I, I would get such a spectrum of respect from the different musical entities treating me like just a dumb college student. Mm. And so reaching out to Eric Gilbert, he quickly responded and he said, I had your job 10 years ago. I uh, know what you're doing. Love it. Let's, let's do something. So explain how it feels for you. Because I feel like that, for a guy in your position, is necessary. There needs to be those sort of mentors, those people mm. who say, oh, I was you, however many years ago. When you got that email, did you feel... I don't know if justified is the right word or if you felt a wave of optimism or just something like, oh, I got into the guy and the guy understands what I'm doing here. Yeah, I was so excited that somebody kind of, one, knew Moscow, knew kind of the challenges that I faced, and then two, was uh, active in this organization that I didn't know a whole lot about of at, at the time, still Tree Fort in 2013, and this maybe might be coming to the turn of 2014, was still like a really mysterious thing for people who mm-hmm. hadn't experienced it because it was a lineup poster and it was a website if you hadn't been you you weren't there wasn't flashy photography or videos mm-hmm. you really had only heard from people who had gone or a friend trying to drag you down there which happened to me in 2013 I wish I would have listened to her but I think I had a conflict saying, like, we've got to go down to Boise. This tree fort thing is insane. They've We haven't had anything like it. And I'm born and raised in Boise and have seen everything that is that I'm proud of Boise and everything that I'm embarrassed about Boise mm. in the last 25, 30 years. Yeah, I feel that. And now when we've had – so we've had Eric in here and we've had a, a few of the other founders in here. And to a man and woman, they all say that one of the reasons for starting tree fort was – that it was nearly impossible to get touring bands to come here. Was that your sense growing up here? And was, did you know any better? Or did you just think, man, I wish Spoon would come here? Yeah, the, my experience was, especially you know, under 18, there was one place you could go to kind of see an upcoming band or a, you could show up and basically be, walk away having a, a new influence or something that was worth... Bar, burning a CD or you know downloading off LimeWire on another person's computer. Never mind. <laughs> Are you talking about the venue? Yeah, the venue. Yeah, I went to a lot of venue shows. And uh, as generic of a name as it sounds, it was a all ages show that was uh, run by a family that was really involved. And I never got to know the behind the scenes too much, but I had a lot of friends that were passionate and you know. Every week they would say, you got to come down, you got to come down. Come to the venue. And anytime I obliged, I had a good time. You met new people. You kind of saw this subculture that in, I would say, vanilla Boise didn't exist a whole lot. And and were they playing local music or were they bringing in bands from outside? Um, a little bit of both, but definitely touring bands with local support. Mm-hmm. So you'd be able to see the band that has the buzz and then you'd be able to be introduced to the local band or you'd your friends would be playing and you'd show up and you'd stay around for the headlining band and you'd say, wow. Who's this? Do you remember your first show? I do, I do. It was uh, a band. Oh, man, they they actually went into my life recently by a random chance of an all-ages venue I got to help. Let's see here. It is a Christian rock band known for Walls and Ponytail Parade. 
those are their songs, but they're the artist I can't think of. Let's see. It, yeah, it will I can't come help to you me. with this one. Yeah. Oh, it's I I know <laughs> the Emery, lyrics. You're Emery. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. Yes. yeah that sounds Emery. right. And just to show you how small of a world like music is, there was a taco a taco restaurant that was uh, becoming closed, and that we helped kind of create a um, a brief all ages venue in before its new identity as a restaurant came to town or came to fruition. And Emery ended up calling this taco shop and somebody handed me the phone and they said, we've sold a hundred tickets. We were doing a Kickstarter tour, giving me the full pitch. And I'm at, I'm just curious on how many tickets they had sold and all this <laughs> stuff. And I didn't ask who, so who they're it pitching was. You. And I didn't ask who it was because I, I just wanted to, figure out if it was worth it beforehand before getting like personal or kind of making that next move. And then they said, yeah, we were in a band called Emery XYZ farewell tour Kickstarter. Some of those, uh, some kind of a fun, uh, promotion and we need a venue tomorrow. And we couldn't do it because staffing were primarily a taco restaurant with (laughs) 16 year old kids <laughs> that, that don't oh, that man. can't really uh wait was this hard in, to schedule oh, was enough. this in boise or moscow this was in boise mm. so that's just kind of a re, uh a fun segue uh, full yeah, yeah a little all, all of a sudden uh a band that i got to see in the venue as a wide-eyed kid who had never been to anything other than like a arena rock show that my parents dragged me to luckily uh, hang or, on what was that show uh i i went to the rolling stones in Ooh. seattle I mean, maybe six, seven. That's quite grade. a first show. And that wasn't my first show. My first show was Backstreet Boys in Boise. I'll admit that one. Oh, that's, hell yeah. I like that better, actually. <laughs> yeah. That's better. The, uh, my parents are, you know, classic. The Eagles are the, the band that my parents would take to a desert or a deserted island. Mm. So they they have a, you know, pretty classic sensibility, but nothing. Uh, Man, I wanted to go to that Backstreet Boys show <laughs> back then. I couldn't get tickets. Joe, what was your first show? Oh, it was... Some big Christian rock festival that really? came through town. I don't remember. Yeah, huh? Um, like it's probably like Switchfoot. I think. Like One I said, my my catalog of Christian <laughs> rock knowledge is woefully <laughs> short. You got to grow up in a Christian school. You'll yeah. get all the totally, Christian punk totally. rock. Yeah. <laughs> um, I noticed you're drinking that uh, flavorless. Water there stuff. Yeah, I, I, like I rolled the dice. Yeah, with this one, Waterloo came up snake eyes. Um, <laughs> so let's get you involved in in Tree Fort, okay? So you graduated and came back, correct? Yep. So, but uh, you were already involved by then. Yeah, and so the Eric responded yes. He was really able to kind of um, empathize with Moscow being a place that not any any successful touring band wants to go go see without a big money offer. Mm. And because uh, he went to school up there. He too. went to school up there. Met his wife, who was uh, is integral part of Tree Fort as well. Mm-hmm. And so it was such a like inspiring thing that this the one cool thing that is happening in Boise just so happened to be some people who graduated from U of I were heavily involved in music, and I was like, wow, like I think I can return to my hometown and be proud. Well, that's what I was just going to ask. Um, unlike a lot of the other people who've been here, I'm not getting the the Boise as paradise vibe out of you. So when you graduated, had you considered going anywhere else? Uh, absolutely. Seattle is just kind of a, a place I've always admired and visited plenty. Uh, it's a place that's super fond and from, you know, time city. I was able to, to visit and, uh, 
Portland, uh, just when you when you're looking for that first opportunity to shoot for the moon, Boise doesn't really have a lot of those high paying jobs. These companies that you've heard of for years, the Nikes, the Amazons. Boise has Micron and Simplot potatoes and computer chips, and maybe maybe that's not your thing. And it's something that I, at least I grew up with friends, families who had worked there for 10, 20 years, and it was never something that I um, admired. It sounded like you were looking for something a little sexier. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> Portland and Seattle are the go-tos for Boise kids too. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's I, I think I, they're the go-to for this entire region. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. When I first moved to Seattle, there were a lot of Montana people there because huh. this was the big city for them. You know, they came oh, to Seattle. Yeah. yeah, but do you, so, well, has that changed at all? You've been back for f- uh, four years. Graduated fifteen. Yeah, yeah um, I I left U of I thinking I had a degree. I had to finish an online class Uh-oh. that I then dropped because I financial literacy wasn't as exciting when I was living in California. <laughs> uh, it would have helped a lot of life decisions from the last four or five years, but uh, so I ended up earning my degree like a year after I left Moscow. Wait, but you went to California? Mm-hmm, I did. I did a advertising internship. Oh, and so I saw that the, in your uh, LinkedIn in Culver the, City. The safe the safe option for me always was advertising. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I grew up. Wanted to be a sports writer and work for a newspaper, and then I witnessed the fall of newspapers right in my senior year, high school, junior year, high school, and mm. the only thing that they all, you know, blamed the the internet and yes, all they did. these, and rightfully so, and probably podcasts now too. A little bit though <laughs> at the time, because I was one yeah, of those absolutely. one of those people working for newspapers who saw the industry dissolve. But at the time, I was like, you know what? Why not just blame the radio? Because that's really where it started. You know, before the radio, newspapers were the only place to get your sports scores, and then the radio oh, screwed yeah. that up. Yep. Now you read these books about baseball at the turn of the century, it's like, and there's like seven different editions of 20 papers in New York. By the time we came along, I mean, there were two papers. Yep. So to really blame it on the internet, it's a little recency bias, but we all, we all do it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so it's I, an easy thing to blame. Yeah. yeah. And no one, st- it, it's, you know, incredible think of, you thought you had it figured out on the internet in the 2000s and then the 2010s, and now we have no idea what it could be in Mm -hmm. two to four years. So coming back to Boise, I had a successful collaboration with Tree Fort. We call it Taste of Tree Fort. Brought in some amazing bands from Idaho, from Seattle, from maybe one from Portland. A a mixture of Boise bands, Seattle, two acts from Seattle, and I would say three from Boise. Was it during Tree Fort? It was the month prior so okay. there's plenty of times to, to kind of tempt people to go down so it's a I, teaser yep i um i had to i worked with drew the who is a founder and runs mm-hmm. ticketing and i remember him giving me a stack of tree fort tickets that maybe would have been worth you know two thousand dollars or is tree fort, was it was it worth that much back then maybe around two thousand dollars and a pack of stickers and him just looking me in the eye like kid you better not just run <laughs> off with these and sell them on craigslist oh, that sounds you, like you must be a very trustworthy guy i mean you volunteer you become in charge of stuff immediately people are giving you two thousand dollars yeah well that's that's you know first impression and i consider drew a really good friend but i think he still gives me that look uh, sometimes he's got an intense gaze. Yeah, he's got yeah. a very intense gaze. I haven't met him yet. Uh, I, when I do, I'll probably call him Tim because I call everyone else Tim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's see. Successful there, and um, we drummed up a lot of excitement for Tree Fort. That was 2016. 
2014. 14, so, okay. so this is like my senior year. I'm figuring out where I want to live. And this tree fort thing, I was like, wow, like I think I'm lucking into at least like a pretty awesome um, group of people that I have some shared interests with and even similar background with Eric. And then so I got to meet Eric for the first time the week of tree fort. I actually met him briefly at the Neuralux. Great first meeting right uh, at the Neuralux. My first ever time in the bar uh, with Megan, the marketing lead who I had met before and then Eric who I ended up shadowing the week of tree fort as kind of a runner assistant In, intern, anything yeah. yeah anything anything that could be helpful and uh really kind of found ways volunteer roles that were implemented later on as things that you know we need folks to do for the festival that we might necessarily have figured out then but at that time my first tree fort I had a Razor scooter, and I had about no friends that were really attending the festival. So I was like, nobody else's schedule, nobody else's music preferences, and I was, you know, trying to make a good impression, and I was trying to have a good time. And I, I think I, I did both for sure. And that Razor scooter got me across downtown Boise with uh, ease. <laughs> That's a necessity during Tree Fort too. Um, Transportation, like if if you you can walk around with your big friend group and miss out on all the shows you want to go to, or you can kind of go lone wolf. And I'm kind of transferring more into uh, catch what I can. But back in those days, I was hungry to catch every show I could and uh, make sure living on kind of my own preference. Now, that's an in, it's interesting how you frame that because um, it sounds like your goal back then was to be attending this fantastic spectacle to see all these bands but not as much to figure out your role in this yeah i i wanted to maximize you know what i could do and leave a good first impression to where i could open that door for the future and then the tree fort staff were so welcoming and so uh, endearing really kind of immediately found like i said no none of my friends whether they were off on their own spring break doing their own thing or not in Boise anymore. I kind of leaned on these brand new relationships and they, they really kind of brought me in and showed me a good time. So it was, it was easy to, uh, perform as a like intern and then also have let loose with them once Mm -hmm. the work ended. So these became relationships that kept going in the, the off season. Totally. She would say, okay, so then you come back. And it looks like you picked up a couple jobs here. I checked your LinkedIn. Totally, totally. Uh, I, I, you're not at Bitter Creek anymore? I'm not. Okay. Are you with the uh, Discovery Museum? No, that was that was probably the more, uh, that was, might be considered my, my first real job. Your first real job. I did, you know, bounced around getting doing contracts, internships, um, went to California. Um, that was kind of like a six-month contract where um, in between that time, Tree Fort got the keys to the city, I forget what they call it, ambassador, yeah, city, cultural, uh, ambassador, cultural ambassador. Mm-hmm. And then that was just another one of those signs where I was like, do I want to be struggling in LA being um, one in a million and just like really kind of waiting for a big break? Or do I want to go back to my hometown where I have family and I have uh, what I considered like a, uh, an almost family-like atmosphere for this festival that was only going to grow and that made my decision pretty easy to come back to Boise. So this decision, and I, I think I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but I'm going to ask it anyway. This decision is to be part of Tree Fort. 
It's not to make music festivals your job where you could take this and go work South by Southwest or go work some other big festival, which, which, or is it too early to tell? That, that's actually a really um, good observation because I did have that, those crossroads when I took the California job. I got lucky to work with another music festival lifer, professor, or a contractor, someone who was really paying the gigs, paying, paying her, her way through festival gigs. Mm-hmm. And she uh, got me a job with a Washington festival. And I'm going to... Washington told, State? Yep, Washington State. It's in Darlington, Washington, Summer Meltdown. And they've had some, they've, they're, they're growing. It's a jam band, hip hop, dance music. It's a little bit of like a wide spectrum, similar to Tree Fort Camping Festival. And that just so happened to be the month that I got the offer in California. And so I could take a five day festival job or I could take a six month paid advertising internship. Oof. And I was like, man, I want to say yes to both, but this job in California doesn't want to hear that. And I am kind of going to start from ground zero at this summer meltdown place, just being the kid that shows up wide eyed. And, um, I, I was like, you know what, maybe, maybe I can, maybe I can take this up in the future. Never, never got to, but I kind of had to make that already that crossroads of like consistent paycheck in a city versus, throwing myself in uh, the, the crazy world of music festival production. And when you got there, did you realize that it was a mistake or did you just chalk it up to, all right, I did that for a while and now I'm going to try this, go back to what I was doing before? Yeah, if anything, the fact that I spent four years getting a degree in advertising and really got to see it at its highest level and know that it attracts this type of person to mm. succeed, you have to be this type of person or put in this much kind of... Uh, blood, sweat, and tears into something that might, you might go home and immediately, you know, not care about what you, what you did or have been working tirelessly on. I, I was like, you know what? I, I don't think I'm going to, um, risk a whole lot to continue working in this field. Were you a a creative or were you on the, um, account? Um, mostly accounts strategy. I, I kind of faked my way, (laughs) faked my way into strategy, which is like a pretty hard, pretty, intensive to department. It's cutthroat, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot like now it's definitely like data driven, which is something I'm really into, but like you put me in the front of Excel, I'm definitely not going to wow you. Um, <laughs> so I, I found my role, but I, I definitely saw the future was not, not what I wanted to be. And it's kind of a, it's sort of a flashy, hard partying lifestyle too. the ad people. It is. I def I, I had some awesome, I remember, um, some of my favorite coworkers used the office to ship their Burning Man Amazon wish list um, items because I I don't know if it was just unsafe to ship to their apartments or they just wanted oh. to show off their their their, their wild stuff. But every day for a while they would oh, be receiving these things and telling me how I need to go to Burning Man next year and or this year um, and. Uh, so that was kind of funny to see and to, to bond with people where, you know, I was, I was like, Hey, I would love to go to burning man, but I'm getting paid far less than you are. And I don't think I can swing it just yet. Right. Right. Did you ever make it to a burning man? No, I, I, I plan on it. It's not over yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's what I think is funny about burning man is everyone since these coworkers I've talked to everyone that I express interest to, and I shouldn't say everyone, the over, what I get a lot. Is everyone's like, oh man, Burning Man's 
Burning Man will be fun this year, but oh man, you should have been five years ago. I think that's yeah. sort oh, of the nature oh, of Burning man. man. You should have been two years ago. You're you just missed the boat. And I'm always like, come on, like it, they keep so, saying it too. Yeah, so yeah, I gotta wonder because you're both young guys. Mm-hmm. Like for for my generation, for Generation X, that was we've heard that forever. You know, oh you missed it. Bummer for you. You got here a little late. But I don't think you guys hear that stuff as much anymore. Yeah, I and the. I hear it less often now. I think people are just like... Because you just say, okay, boomer. <laughs> yeah, now, now I'm equipped with a good catchphrase yeah. for sure. But I, it's still in my plans for sure. I was uh, heavily considering it this year. We're having, uh, I guess he's a founder? Yeah, yeah, we're going to have one of We're the... going to have him in here. A founder of Burning, uh, Man. Burning Man. Whoa, holy yeah. cow. Yeah. That's incredible. Jerry James, I think, is his name. I'll, I'll so tune it's in not Tim? <laughs> it might be Tim, yeah. Nice. So when you came back here, so let's get to the part where, so it's, you know, when, when, uh, when Christian told me you were going to come in to talk, I thought, well, this is interesting. And someone approaches Tree Fort and says, I want to volunteer and I've got a background in marketing and you end up doing the ranger station. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't seem now that it's that simple. It wasn't like you showed up and said, I want to volunteer. You already had a relationship with everyone. And yeah. when you showed up here and you're like, here I am, I live here now. At that point, were you set to go, all right, now I'm all in. I'm going to, you know, I've got my job, but I'm really committed now. What can I do? Or was it the point where they said, oh, good, you're here. We know what you can, here's what you can do. They, I was really lucky. I, I let them know I'm here to do whatever's needed. You know, I want to learn. I've got a general skill set. Let me, let me apply it to tree for it. But this would have been the year 2015, built a spills, planned Coachella, and a lot of the Tree Fort staff is able to accompany Bill to Spill, who uh, they are acting as tour managers and um, just kind of their uh, ensemble, making sure that they're able to play an awesome show in the desert. And they come back from uh, Coachella, and I Megan describes the marketing lead and Sarah Payton, who's the, the festival director assistant or assistant festival director, some combination of those words. Um, they came back with drawings ideas of this structure and this uh department of coachella which i have tried to google i google it today just to prove to myself that it it exists because i haven't exactly been able to find what they described but they described a lemonade stand at coachella that helps you figure out what bands you should go see figures out uh kind of tunes in what you like what they offer and kind of is a an all-knowing lemonade stand. And this to, became the Ranger Station. That became the Ranger Station. Okay. Did you start at the Ranger Station or were you with Ale Fort first? Where the- nope. Um, I started general, assisting Eric Gilbert. And then uh, the next year working under Artist Relations, which was, you know, again, you're like a runner. I'm right, driving yeah. the Finrigans Mobile, which is the their big the white van. van. Yeah, the big white van, shuttling artists learning all sorts of things uh, just straight from the artist's mouth that I thought was hilarious about their whole experience being a touring artist and being at Tree Ford and their you know thoughts of Boise. And then my third year at Tree Ford would have been the first time that I could say I owned something. And so it was really uh, a nice time because I had a, a peak inside of most of Tree Fort, most sub forts, had a general knowledge as a fan, as a staff member, and kind of all the elements necessary to put together uh, what they wanted, which was this help desk that was 
kind of Wes Anderson inspired, quirky, and very tree forty. <laughs> so it's not Woodstock inspired. It's not a wavy gravy. Did you ever see the Woodstock movie? Uh, no, I I've been meaning to. I I forget things. The most recent one the, that's so, fixed. So what they had was instead of a, a first aid tent, they gave the responsibility to this guy named Wavy Gravy. Do you know who he is? I don't. I don't. He's a legendary hippie. You can't escape Wavy Gravy if you learn about hippies. Gotcha. And he had this commune called the Hog Farm Commune. Right. And they were in charge of first aid. And, ba- and they were just so whacked out that there was sort of a blurry line between people in charge and people who came in. And But he's famous because he was the one who took the mic and said, there's bad brown acid going around. So that's what I thought. You were the wavy gravy. But it doesn't sound like it's so much for freaked out concert goers. Uh, yeah, you know, we, we get the... We get the occasional person that's having a bad time or lost or confused, but um, we're happy to be kind of the landmark for first aid. We work in conjunction with some really awesome paramedics, ski patrollers, some act, uh, registered nurses. But they're not with you. They're, they used to be. It, it, they were kind of divided um, to just provide the most like isolated space for somebody who did need like medical treatment so it's not mm-hmm. in this like inviting fire pit social area for them to have open heart surgery or whatever they need um so they so the the medic quickly realized she's like love the ranger station but we need our own tent mm-hmm. for when things when shit gets real right right so and then what is the responsibility actually let me back up a little bit so you this is inspired by a lemonade stand what did you guys build we built an A-frame. So if I commonly associate it with uh, like mountain areas because it's like I think the structure is in its its main purpose is to not collapse under snow. But I think ranger stations are tip- potentially always A-frames at your national park, your state parks. Mm-hmm. But it's a big A-frame that had a cot, a front desk, or a, an old yellow 70s desk I got from our science center. That was my day job. We had a climbing rope, and then we had a loft that the uh, the engineer of the ranger station kind of eyed as his emergency crash spot during the <laughs> festival. And so you built it, and then what happened to it afterwards? Or do you, does it live somewhere and you bring it back every we year? We build it and uh, dismount it every year, and it's uh, all taking it down is always stressful, and you're basically asking volunteers to uh, just believe you and trust you in dismantling this uh, pretty impressive structure. And we've gotten better every year, and now we even have kind of like a ranger station assemble lead who's a, a mm. good friend of mine really uh talented carpenter and really it just takes uh confidence that you know what you're doing because otherwise you got a bunch of 20 or you got 20 volunteers that are looking at you like there's no way we're gonna do this oh man i can only imagine like i've, I've walked by the ranger station plenty of times in tree fort and that's it's an impressive building it's right in the middle of i would say 10th and main yeah. i'm so bad with uh boise street sometimes 10th and grove and so we have very specific instructions that this structure cannot exist at past oh, this time. Only four days or five days a year. Yeah. Um, and what is the hierarchy inside of the ranger station? And do you wear ranger suits? We do. The, the costumes, uh, and I don't even really like considering costumes. I guess it's just gear. Yeah, gear. But um, it's something that people absolutely adore, whether it's uh, onlookers or the rangers themselves. But 
to quickly give a visual of this, the Sarah Payton, who's instrumental in the festival, she and was also a big who helped kind of uh, connect me with this lemonade stand when she went to Coachella. She got her mom to uh, make these Girl Scout inspired green vests. We filled them with tree fort patches and luckily patches seem to always have street cred or be cool because <laughs> otherwise we'd look like total dorks with uh, brown. Um, I would almost describe them as very ranger-esque they're kind of like Smokey the Bear hats. Smokey right? the Bear yeah, hats. You do wear them, okay. Yeah, Smokey the Bear hats is a pretty good they're not, classification. Uh, they're not, what's who? Okay. I'm blanking out on the guy. If you're happy, and wore the hat. If you're Pharrell. Happy. Oh yeah, they're not Pharrell hats. They're pretty close to Pharrell hats. Not as, uh, not as trendy huge. or expensive. I'm sure they're yeah, not quite like, as tall. Yeah, that yeah. was a kind of excessive <laughs> <Yeah>. tallness. <laughs> but uh, and then we got some bunting on the hats, which is a really fun tree fort inside joke. It's uh, kind of an element you'll see in any venue. It's a fancy term for uh, flags, I guess, strings and yeah. flags. Mm-hmm. Had to steam a but, lot of bunting. Yeah, yeah, that's. I think that's one of those esoteric terms or visual elements that you 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 will know it once you've experienced it. What tree fort looks like or feels like. So we threw some bunting on the hat. Have all the patches every every year. A, New patches are put are uh, get released to the public. We've got kind of a museum esque preservation of subforts and different designs on our vests, and people dig it. People so, are definitely um, excited to put it on. So I can see the Wes Anderson thing now. It's a little Wes Andersony, and it's okay. So moving on, then what is the hierarchy inside of there? Uh, that was something I got to create. So the first year I got. A pretty a hand-picked list of volunteers that the volunteer coordinator thought would be knowledgeable and excited and um, just down for something that uh, would be new and fresh. And so we got uh, diverse ages, diverse interests in the ranger station from that. And then I got to recruit people that I knew in Boise that were new Boise, new tree fort, were people that you'd be excited to run into uh, and would be quick to recommend where to get a burger in town, where to get yeah, uh, what? So s- the closest pack of smokes, whatever the... When you said people that are knowledgeable, what are the limits of the knowledge base? You used to answer anything, right? Yeah. We, originally, we all uh, we thought that one of the most important things to be knowledgeable about was going to be the artist performing, the genres, being this think. kind of like taste-making curator that can say, I love underground hip-hop with... Um, you know, uh, ethics or, you know, some extremely specific. What should uh, I go see? Yeah, what should I go see? And we definitely get that a lot, but a lot more common are people just asking, where is this specific thing that I heard about on the internet? Where is the yoga, where is uh, the one of the premier events of Tree Fort that I always try to recommend, but I'm uh, totally unaware of the name right now. It's it's Story Fort, right? Yeah. Story (laughs) Fort, sorry. Nice job, Joe. Uh, the public performance where they all play sheets of music with 20 bands deep. Oh, um, I forget what they call yeah. it. It's awesome, though. It's amazing, yeah. and it, it's changed locations. Uh, but that's something that we I try to definitely train into people's, if they hadn't experienced it before, where that is. There's, there's different questions that I can pick up on pretty quickly that's like, okay, man, we... Everyone wants to experience this, but I don't think we've done a good job explaining what it is. You're going to get this question, and this is how you answer it. The hierarchy is pretty simple, though. I uh, basically get these high-level volunteers, these people that are uh, 
charismatic, trusting, and just good people. They get to put on the hat and vest. I get to kind of coordinate, spend my time between the ranger station and enjoying the festival. And then um, thanks for the recommendation of the volunteer coordinator. I got a pretty incredible deputy ranger. That's Lindsay Wright, who has performed as an artist, who is now staff, who has been been there since day one. So a really uh, knowledgeable person that sees it from all angles and is just a a delight to be around. So that's, that's the closest thing we have to a hierarchy. I try to not put, um, army, uh, rank or anything like that. (laughs) So Rangers do have rank. Go ahead. Let me, let me back you up just a little bit again, as I've been to the festival a lot, you know, as a Boisean and I see the Rangers and they're all really cool, but for someone who like doesn't, hasn't had to use the Ranger station or for fans listening to this, who might be coming to their first tree for it. Can you distill it down and pitch to me, like, what is the ranger station? What is your mission statement? What do you guys... I know that's a tough question. Kind of a living and breathing, frequently asked questions. Uh, You know, instead of referring to this uh, never-ending list of random FAQ questions, we're kind of like human beings that are well-versed in the subforts or the lineup or Boise offerings and um, truly a help desk that can be everything from lost and found to a rendezvous spot. We typically have a propane fire running, which has been uh, kind of like the the best draw for us to get a big crowd. People get out from the main stage around 10, 1030, and they're pretty quick to take over the ranger station until I turn off the propane um, fire fire pit. I've definitely sat by that fire a couple of (laughs) nights, you know, after. Have you ever been stumped? Stumped. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I always make sure to tell rangers that you can uh, you cannot know an answer, but you can't say no to helping somebody. You know, you can. Everyone's got access to the app, and we have some resources that are pretty cool that um, give us even an inside look at some of the documents that uh, the artists use through Submittable. So they get it if they classify this to themselves as pop punk or underground hip-hop, we can pull up a list of everything that is oh, that's within slick. that list. Uh, what are some of the more esoteric questions you've gotten, though? Starting, uh, it probably starts with, where's the bathroom? Yeah, oh, absolutely, which uh, I think in, for some years it was directly behind us, so that wasn't as horrible. It, it luckily didn't stink, but it was at least uh, oh, yeah, easy to that's point too out. Close. Uh, but they do a good job of maintaining those. The If if someone deserves it, we can tell them where the... the uh, the best indoor bathrooms are for sure, but I'm how not going to say that if they on deserve podcast. <laughs> Just how they approach the range of stations. Will you tell me after, <laughs> yeah, after the podcast? Absolutely. I need the I need the bathroom hookup for this. But year. we we definitely uh, kind of create through the 15 or so folks that engage or uh, help produce the ranger station every year. We all try to share through a group chat and through different ways, tips or. Uh, Warnings of maybe this event or this venue doesn't allow bags or this uh, this oh, oh yeah you know we're we're really able to capture all these we're like an analog version of Twitter you know kind of just these trends and hashtags and uh, stories we can kind of capture and communicate to people who aren't dialed into their phone the the whole festival do you tw- do you have your own Ranger Station Twitter I I did create an Instagram mostly as a joke I think the first year where I I thought I could you know put out some uh, thought-provoking content or pro tips, something I like to call hot tips, which has been kind of an inside joke for Tree Fort with uh, Eric Gilbert's love of the term hot shows. <laughs> and uh, 
Um, nothing, nothing I can think of. Do you have to have to give restaurant recommendations? Absolutely. That's one that I kind of always jokingly, as somebody who uh, did marketing for multiple restaurants, I convinced my my day job how important it was that I was at the ranger station for mm. three days and that we had nice. a strong presence there in terms of uh, we created our own superfluous wristband in tree fort culture. You, you end up usually with a yeah. uh, wristband or a wrist full of bracelets for every venue, for every every activity. And so we created our own useless wristband that we created a, a buzz about. Was it the like taco wristband if you're Bitter Creek? Is that? Yep, exactly. Oh man, yeah. I remember scoring one of those. Yeah. Well, that, that does speak, speak to the, the increasing number of people coming from out of town for Tree Fort, that you're giving that many restaurant recommendations. Absolutely. You have to give uh, traffic too? How's <laughs> traffic? Well, I mean, secret parking again, the oh. uh, transportation and parking is a big thing that uh, if you know, if you know, you know, and we're, we're not ones to uh, tell everyone, but if you uh, come at us with some respect and some, some respect. please and thanks, you. Yeah. So you've mentioned that a couple of times. So has there been a, have there been cases where people come at you with no respect and maybe some meatheads kind of liquored up? Yeah. And you got to turn them away. Yeah, we're across the way from the ale fort and <laughs> it used to be dramatic it used to be even more impactful. Ale fort increased its footprint and kind of moved maybe 200 feet away from us, but uh definitely people who just assume that they 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 don't really understand the services we're offering and they're basically just looking for free stuff and that kind of uh, What kind of free stuff do they want from you? You know, uh, that's a really good question. A lot of times we have earplugs or stickers or, you know, mm. stuff that can be functional or helpful, but people are really, they expect a whole lot. And if they, they treat it like a, if they come at us like jerks, then we're not ones to, uh, keep them around. But is there any threat with that many people in one place and an press and an ale for it? Are there people who seem threatening? No, um, I, I, one specific incident, we've been absolutely more helpful than we have, or we're, we're quick to help the folks who are either lost or confused or just need, need something in their stomach. There was a gentleman who had a wild story of getting beat up by a cowboy at Mulligan's the night before. Mulligan's is kind of your scene, uh, hipster bar, big seller of PBR in the state of Idaho. And he <laughs> described getting beat up by this cowboy and then he had just exited ale for it. This is at two o'clock, clearly, you know, bruised, bleeding, concussed. And we got him a sandwich from the artist hospitality. We got him a seat. We got him water. Oh, it man. just so happened. Um, I've wrangled my dad into the medic side of the ranger station. He's a ski patroller up at Bogus Basin. And I think it was his shift or maybe he was just beginning, but he was able to clearly communicate to him that he's more than likely concussed and that he's got to take these precautions and loud music and beer festivals are kind of the opposite of how you treat a concussion. Oh, so it wasn't a, a fake story. It wasn't. His injuries were real. And oh, uh, the story was just uh, harder to, or it was, it was so, it was, it was an interesting story where, where we were like, oh man, let's get you some help. And uh, that's all, that's what we're going to focus on. So we got him a sandwich, we got him water. Then one of my dad's buddies uh, even hailed him and I think gave him either personally a ride or shared an Uber with him and got him straight home. Oh, home. Oh, nice. So he uh, he got a, 
the doctor's orders were to sit in a dark room with no loud music, no TV. We'll see if he followed that. So basically the complete opposite of what he was doing. Yes, exactly. So now that you've done this and, and thinking that you went into this to see some music and you ended up running the ranger station, what's the most satisfying part of it for you? Um, it's, it's really interesting to see, uh, the rangers, the folks that I'm getting involved just become more and more like have, have ownership of the festival, have ownership of, have pride in Boise, have this, um, contagious enthusiasm for everything tree fort because they might have, they, I'm, I've taken some chances on some people who have only attended a few tree fort shows or, but no Boise and want to get involved. And then I get, uh, they put on the vest, they get up the hat, they, put up with my constant group messages of what's going on at the festival and how they can learn more and how they can get stoked for this year's festival. And then by the end of the, the five days, they are just jonesing for tree fort oh, round nice. two or the next year. That's cool. And, and after doing this for a few years, so now if you were to take stock again and go, okay, I've done it now. I've been involved with tree fort for five years and I've carved out my niche do you want to stick as a tree fork guy forever? Or are you thinking, these are some great skills I've got now? I want to run my own venue if, if uh, mm. the time ever comes. I've uh, That was something where I feel like I'm putting together the, the skills that, it's, that are needed for that uh, career. I've got a lot of beverage, hospitality, and music, live music experience. So hoping that comes, comes into uh, fruition for me and... I'm happy. Tree Fort, one of the coolest things that I think you have to see to believe is how it's a festival on borrowed land. It takes coffee shops, it takes mm. uh, taco restaurants, and it turns them into music venues, and it turns a parking lot into the main stage. So it's so cool. Maybe that's you know that's an, a really interesting point because I was trying to put my finger earlier when you talk about festivals like Coachella or even going way back, Lollapalooza, there was something different about them. And I was trying to think of, well, but Tree Fort's in a bunch of different venues. But I guess they kind of are too. But you're right. They're on a fairgrounds. They own all the stages. They build their thing. They pack up. They leave. Whereas Tree Fort takes over the whole town. And it, it these business owners, the whole community in general of Boise, uh, is, trusts uh, Tree Fort to take over their space. To yeah, they get buy-in from everybody. rock music, to book loud Hip hop, whatever it is that they're bringing in to book, bring story for it in and have you know thought provoking conversations in a venue or bar that hasn't would have never mm-hmm. crossed that bridge if it wasn't for the trust they have in Tree Fort and the programmers because it really is just Boise. Boise becomes the festival then if we're in all those those bars and those coffee shops and it's a nice ad for the city. Yeah, so and they the, the fact that city of Boise has uh, opened has celebrated Tree Fort really made my decision to make Boise my forever home pretty easy. It's, yeah, I was going to I was going to ask that. Me too. How do you feel about your hometown now? Yeah, I I mean it's it's night and day from uh and I think that's Tree Fort was an, one of the many kind of dominoes that fell to kind of create this what is now the headline in like for every Idaho Statesman article this huge growth in Boise that's constantly changing and home housing market this and traffic this. And it's, it just shows that the, that Boise kind of has evolved Mm -hmm. and it's attracting a wide spectrum of people for multiple reasons and that it's no longer 
what is factually the most geographically isolated metro in the country. And I know that being a nerd who loves some infographics, <laughs> but also as somebody who was, you know, begging rock bands to come through Idaho, um, Boise, the closest big town we have is Salt Lake, which you can get to in four and a half hours if you're speeding, five if you're uh, driving normal. And that just, you, you to think that, on the East Coast, you can go from New York to Boston to... It's a megalopolis. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny coming... I lived in Seattle for a long time, and for us, we were the closest city to Boise. I didn't even realize that Salt Lake was actually closer, that you're actually more within the orbit of Salt Lake than you are Seattle. Because they like to call Boise the little Seattle. You know, oh, it's just like Seattle. It's and, getting there. Yeah. And I've heard that for so many... And that that's... Something that's always cracked me up because it was Portland, it was Boise, or it was Seattle, and um, it was always thought of as kind of you know because well, uh, a quaint, a charming right. little brother, little sister, <laughs> and I think it's pretty exciting that now you have all the all weeklies in Seattle and Portland um, writing extensive tree fort guides uh-huh. and they're saying if you miss this fe- this is the best festival of the year see your favorite portland act in boise and they're all really coming wild. down yeah, yeah all i talked to so many seattleites and, and portland people who were just stoked it's, to be in town and it hang seems out a lot us. closer than it actually is yeah it's, it's a bit of a drive it is a bit of a drive well we are out of time we've been talking to future boise mayor michael cullen uh, thank you for coming by, Michael. Uh, present day. Actually, before you go, are you going to be doing the Ranger Station this year? Absolutely. Okay. You'll see me there. We got Michael. So we're going to sign off now. Uh, thank you to Michael for coming by. Thank you to Eavesdrop Studios for hosting us. Thank you, of course, to Tree Fort Music Fest. Uh, thank you for J- to Joe. Welcome, Joe. Yeah, happy to be here. And uh, we uh, close with the same line, and that line is, we'll see you at the fest. We'll see you there. We'll see you at the fest. We yeehaw. <laughs> <laughs>